MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. On VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And we've got an absolutely tremendous hour number three as we're going to have a nice UFC roundtable here in the middle of the hour. We've been talking a little bit of everything. We got a college basketball futures play from Eli Hershkovich in hour number two. We've taken a look at a little college football. We've taken a look at some NFL. We've taken a look at baseball. Now we're going to take a look at UFC as Dan Stupp. He does great work at the Action Network. And Mackenzie Kramer, he does amazing work over at ESPN with the Daily Wager. So we've got some absolutely amazing stuff that is going to be all on the hopper in terms of the UFC this weekend, the Diaz versus Shamea fight is going to be coming up, but got to take a look, try to find a few underdogs on the card as well. Here in segment number one, I'm just going to be looking through these NFL week one lines because I personally wound up signing up for the Circa Millions. I did not wind up doing any of the contests last year, and I've done these a few times in the past, so just going to pass along a few tips for those of you guys that are in the contest and if you're out here in lovely Las Vegas and you want to still sign up for the Circa Millions, you've got nearly a $2 million overlay on it. The Survivor, it is a significantly smaller overlay. Personally, I think that it's different strokes for different folks. I am someone that I love volume. I thrive a little bit more on it. One of the toughest things for me to do is to just zone in on one particular game. I know that there are those that they wind up doing a roadmap for Survivor. I am someone that when it comes to every game, I think that every one of them is their own living, breathing entity. I don't want to try to handicap a game for, say, week 16, because 
how I think of a team right now as opposed to Week 16, it is going to be very, very different. There are always teams that you strike out on. There are some preseason evaluations that you do wind up hitting out of the park. I do this for college basketball every year, so I know all too well about it. There's no way that you're going to be able to hit 100%. And even if your evaluations preseason are on, you never know when those injuries are going to be cropping up as well. So that is a big reason why I wound up going with the Circuit Millions personally. And I do think that it's going to be relatively good bang for the buck. And something that I'm going to just pass along right now, and I think that this is a very good tip. If you're in any of these contests, take as much time as you can in terms of the deadline. Now, don't file it in two minutes before the deadline is soon to pass and you wind up falling victim to needing like your Wi-Fi slash your LTE, you're able to go down the list, whatever you're filing on, to be working in order to get it in. You don't want to cut it that close to the deadline. It's a case to where if you like have a college research paper, it is due by the end of the week. You don't want to have it be due at like 10 p.m. Pacific time on a Friday and file it in at 9.59. But at the same time, you don't need to file it in Monday morning, like right after you wind up getting the assignment or anything like that as well. So I do think that that is important, but just taking a look at what we're getting in terms of the Circuit Millions games and the lines and most of these very similar to what we've got right now. We might wind up finding a half a point line move in a game or two, but it's relatively what we've got. These lines have been out for months and these lines have been bet very heavily. In terms of both sides, a lot of the money it is going to be pouring in on the day of the game as it always winds up happening. In terms of the NFL and darn near any sport, whether it be baseball, college basketball, we able to go down the list. But I mentioned it with Eli. One game that I just crossed out is not a game that is going to be making my five. The San Francisco 49ers and the Chicago Bears. You just have two clashing things that I really don't like. I don't want any part of the Chicago Bears team whatsoever. Justin Fields looked terrible last season, and I recognize that in that last preseason game, he did not look horrible, but I don't want to be placing my faith in a rookie head coach. We're going to call it what it is. Justin Fields is pretty much a rookie quarterback because he's having to learn a new system while playing half of last season. He was being trained by a pretty incompetent coaching staff, in my opinion, so it did not wind up doing him any good whatsoever. I have no idea what we're going to get out of him. The weapons around him stink. The defense is no good because they trade away Khalil Mack. And for the San Francisco 49ers, you might not wind up having George Kittle to help out a guy in Trey Lance that has darn near no experience whatsoever outside of what he did in North Dakota State in 2019. Not even 2020 because he only played one game in his final season. That was at Central Arkansas. He didn't even look good in that game. So this is a game that I just wind up crossing out and I say, no, thank you. But I mentioned the pro tip from our number two. Divisional underdogs since 2015 in week one, 28-9-1. That's home and road. I know that on this show and across the network, we've been keying in a lot on these home underdogs, but just underdogs in general within the division. They've got a nice edge of week one, and overall they do. But week one, I feel like it's amplified a little bit more. And one that I think, unless of something very, very drastic, winds up happening, is going to wind up making my card, is one that I want to bring up with Eli. Vikings catching a point and a half against the Green Bay Packers. Firstly, in terms of my bets that I'm going to be placing outside of the Circa Millions, I'm just looking at the Vikings on the money line, getting a point and a half. The game could wind up landing on one, but being able to reduce the juice, be able to get a little bit of a even money slash a plus price on the money line, that appeals to me a little bit more because I think that the Vikings should be able to get it done. 
I'm not here to say that Kirk Cousins is like a Hall of Fame quarterback or anything like that, but guy puts up solid numbers. He's backed up by a great wide receiver core, Justin Jefferson and company, and with the Green Bay Packers, they seem to always struggle at the beginning of the year, and now you've got a completely different wide receiver core. I recognize with the Packers that they won darn near every game that they wanted playing without Devontae Adams prior to this season, but now it's a whole new ball of wax because not only are they down Devontae Adams, we all forget Marquez Valdez-Scambling is out of the fold. The offensive line is banged up for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has had to call out these guys time and time again, and some might say it's just Aaron Rodgers trying to catch these guys' attention. He's probably somewhat satisfied with them, but he's just trying to amplify it. I really think that he's probably relatively upset with the wide receiver core at this point. I think that it could be a very long day for them, especially if Alan Lazard, who has not been practicing all week, does not wind up taking the field for the Green Bay Packers. Vikings have been playing the Packers really well ever since the opening of the new stadium as well. So that is something to take a look at. Aaron Rodgers may own the Chicago Bears, not so much the Minnesota Vikings. This has been a place that has been a little bit of a house of horrors for him. You may recall a few years ago when the Vikings wound up playing the Packers and, the, and Aaron Rodgers wound up going down with that injury in Minnesota as well. That is something that does wind up coming to mind and what also comes to mind early season struggles of the Green Bay Packers. We've also seen Tom Brady struggle in quite a few early season games as well. Not sure if I want to take the two and a half with the Cowboys. I'm sort of on the fence on this game because with the Cowboys, they're going to be without Tyron Smith, but every year this guy winds up getting hurt. I think that it's been like six or seven years since he's actually played a full slate of games. And I also don't want to be trusting my circuit millions and or my hard-earned bankroll on Mike McCarthy. I just mentioned that I am from the state of Wisconsin. Mike McCarthy has no idea what he's doing, and he's very lucky that he didn't cost the Dallas Cowboys more games than he did last season, so that's a game that I might wind up taking a look at the Cowboys because I do think that Ezekiel Elliott is in for a little bit of a better year, and the Buccaneers, they are full of a lot of new pieces that they need to gel together. They do wind up picking up someone like a Julio Jones very late in the offseason. They wind up having some offensive line turnover as well. And I always try to take a look at offensive line turnover. It's something that I don't think winds up getting enough attention. So it is something that I do think winds up lending a little bit of credence. And if there is one road favorite, I might wind up taking a look at it. And this is one that goes against all these trends that we've been bringing up. I just still think the Atlanta Falcons are going to stink this year. I wish I could put it more professionally, but this Atlanta Falcons team, I think is in for a really long year. Marcus Mariota was not good with the Tennessee Titans. He had like two drives where he looked solid with the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders. I think he might have played a year in Oakland as well, but with the Las Vegas Raiders and all of a sudden people are like, oh, we need to go get Marcus Mariota. He deserves another shot at a quarterback. He doesn't have a skill set, in my opinion, to be a quarterback in the NFL. They're relying upon a converted wide receiver into running back in Cordell Patterson to be able to carry the mail. This offensive line is not very good. This defense is wretched. They're going up against the Saints bunch that wound up having all the injuries that they did last season and still finished above 500. They get back Jameis Winston, and Jameis Winston, prior to him going down with the injury last season, he looked like a new guy. I think that the tutelage that he wanted getting the last two years under Sean Payton is going to be able to reign through here in the Allen regime. I think that the Saints, with being able to get back Michael Thomas, they are going to be a force. I think that there's an outside shot they could wind up winning the division itself, too. I think that the Saints, they are very solid. One of the very few futures I wanted taking coming into the season was, yes, on the New Orleans Saints to be able to make the playoffs. I think that they're going to be able to get there. I think that this is going to be a solid year. They've got one of the best 
front sevens in all of football. I think that Marcus Mariota is going to be running for his life. He really doesn't have weapons to throw to because his best wide receiver was caught doing parlays. So that's not a good scenario. So I could wind up taking a shot on the New Orleans Saints, whether it be in the circuit millions or just laying the points with the New Orleans Saints. This is one where I might wind up going against the trends. I know that they all say home underdogs, divisional dogs. You're able to go down the list of dogs that they are very profitable here in week one. I think that the Atlanta Falcons could be the exception because they just stink that bad. And then the other game that I just continue to go to, and it continues to catch my attention, two darlings of the offseason. There have been a lot of people talking up the Detroit Lions because, oh, Dan Campbell is biting off kneecaps and everything like that. And everyone loves what the Philadelphia Eagles have been able to do. They wound up upping their secondary a little bit over a week ago as well, but I might be willing to lay the four with regards to Philadelphia Eagles. As you can tell, I'm a little bit undecided with my card, and that's a big reason why you want to be able to take as much time as seemingly possible because what we wind up getting from the injury report with a team even like the Green Bay Packers, which I'm pretty set on firing in on the Minnesota Vikings, be able to make them one of my plays. But if Al Lazard decides that he's able to go, if the Green Bay Packers have their full offensive line, that is going to make a little bit of impact. But I do think that it is very important that you just take that full allotment of time because the number is not going to move on you. Obviously, from a betting perspective, the number is going to move on you. If you're looking at the Packers or the Vikings in contests, it does not. But something that is moving into our lives is more great UFC action dance stuff. He does great work over at the Action Network. Mackenzie Kramer, he's a great researcher at ESPN. They're going to be joining me next to break down this card on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years 
and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Barn and a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Boon. You compete for free for cash all season long. Enter into weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to dive in on the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 years or older terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions. They do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN and being joined by Dan Stuff. Does absolutely amazing work over at the Action Network and Mackenzie Kramer. He does great work over at ESPN, mainly doing his work for the Daily Wager. Their tremendous show over there. And gentlemen, it is great to have you aboard. And let's dive into this UFC card as it's going to be a big one. And I'll start with you, Dan, on this one. As we know, the Chimea versus Diaz fight, rather big money line. Just before we wind up diving into the fight in general, when it comes to fights where we have this big giant money line, what are some of the things that you do to try to reduce the juice and find a way to not wind up laying like over minus 1,000 like we've got here with the favorite? Yeah, obviously with uh, minus 1,000, uh, that's clearly the guy we expect to win. I, I think, you know, in your head, you kind of kind of figure out a, a story for the fight. How do you see it coming? Uh, for me specifically, like you said, the money line's a, a little too rich. I, I don't see any value there. Uh, but honestly, I don't see Nate Diaz lasting very long in this fight. He doesn't seem very motivated. 
Obviously, his best days are behind him. I, I really worry just about durability and scar tissue, uh, which against a, a ground and pound fighter like Shamayev is is probably a, a real concern. Um, you know, initially I was probably looking at a, a playing something in the second round. It just feels like uh, Nate Diaz, just kind of out of stubbornness, will survive at least one round uh, and make it to the second round. But even getting Shamayev there. Uh, it's plus 300 second round KO plus 400. I am hoping it, I was hoping it'd be a little richer than that, but I, I think if you're going to bet this fight, Shamayev and, and the under or within the, or inside the distance, um, is probably the way to go. And if you actually want a decent payoff, you're probably going to have to get really specific with a round or a type of finish. Yep. And I will pose the same question to you, Mackenzie. It's just a very, very big money line in this spot. If you like. Mr. Diaz to be able to pull off the upset. Well, you're going to be able to get good value on it. I think that we're in agreement that it's not very likely that we do wind up finding that outcome. Neither do the bookmakers. How do you try to perhaps be able to find a little bit more value rather than laying just a big giant north of minus 1,000 money line in a spot like this? Yeah, neither do I. I don't really see much of a path to victory for Diaz in this one either, which is unfortunate because he's such a fan favorite, such a guy we like so much. Normally, with a big line like this, you look to try to figure out, like, all right, do we, is he going to win inside the distance or is he going to win by decision? Well, even this fight, winning inside the distance, that's in the minus 450, minus 500 range. So that becomes, like, on the border where you might want to throw it in a parlay. But in general, I, I think that the sec- you try to look for a round in, in a spot like this, like like uh, Dan was saying. I, I like second-round knockout, third-round knockout, maybe first-round knockout, but I tend to think that Diaz will at least survive one round. I think round two is probably the most likely scenario just because I think that 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 they will be taken down at will. I mean, part of it, too, is what Chimaev wants to do with this fight because if Chimaev wants to take this fight to the ground, I think he'll have no problem taking down Nate, ground and pounding and smashing him, as he would like to say, and getting an early finish. But I'm a little worried that he might want to play with his dude a little bit here. We kind of saw that with the Gilbert Burns fight where his coaches were pleading with him between rounds probably to try to take him down. But it didn't seem like he was, it seemed like he wanted to prove a point that he could try to knock out Gilbert Burns, which he wasn't able to do. If he does want to keep this fight standing, this fight could last a little bit longer. But if he wants to go take that, the takedown round, it's going to be a pretty quick night, you would think. So round one, round two, round three, I can't imagine it going into the championship rounds. I know some people think that if it gets to the championship rounds, Diaz will have a chance. But Diaz has also never finished a fight that's less than past the third round. So I don't really know. I mean, yes, he's known for his great cardio, but I don't think he's actually going to be able to come back and win. We saw him point at Leon Edwards and land, land a shot that rocked Leon in the fifth round, but he didn't follow up. He was more he was more interested in taunting Leon than going for the finish, which is a better that's not what you want to see. So there's not that many ways to play this fight for me. I think second round knockout, third round knockout, getting really specific with the ways you play the fight. I think that's kind of how I would do that, but... Again, it's really difficult to play this fight. Yeah, I agree with you on this spot, unless if you think that there is a distinct way in which they're going to be able to win the fight, or if you think that it's just going to be finished off very early, something of that nature, it's going to be very tough to be able to find a lot of value. But I'll pose this one to you, Dan, because we've got another very chalky money line in this fight as well. Chris Barnett, he's going to be going up against Jake Collier. Collier, right around minus 420. I'm seeing as high as a minus 450 right now. Another one of these big money lines, not as bad as the Nate Diaz versus Shamaya fight, but certainly a rather big money line. But I know you're taking a look at this one, and I think that you found a way to be able to reduce the juice on this fight. Yeah, this is an interesting fight. It kicks off the the regular prelims on ESPN News. Um, And obviously, those are fights that they like to kind of suck the crowd in, uh, get your audience and, and captivate them. 
Um, and I think this could be one of the fights. Um, you know, Jake Collier, a pretty big heavyweight, used to fight a lighter weight class, is really bulked up, uh, not necessarily in a very muscular way. Uh, but he's facing a guy who's probably even a little rounder. Uh, it looks very out of shape in Chris Barnett. But he is the slickest, smoothest moving big guy I've ever seen. Unfortunately, I just don't think it's going to uh, do him uh, much good in this fight. I, I think eventually Collier picks him apart. Uh, like you said, he's a, a pretty big favorite. Um, but uh, I think that we wound, up at, we wound up having Dan freeze up just a little bit there. So we'll kick it over to you on this one, Mackenzie. Do you find... Any value on this fight, or is this a little bit more of a say away just because we do wind up having a rather demonstrative money line on this one as well, which it's a little bit more than $4 on the favorite. Yeah, so it's a really interesting fight in terms of just how these guys look because um, uh, Barnett used to fight at a much lower, uh, sorry, uh, Collar used to fight at a much lower weight, a lower weight class. Barnett probably should be fighting at a much lower weight class. He's a five foot nine heavyweight. I mean, I'm, I'm in no, <laughs> I shouldn't be the one criticizing other people's weight, but you know, when you're five foot nine, you should be more of a, a lightweight, welterweight, just anything but heavyweights. But, you know, I, I tend to think that Collier is going to win this fight. I don't really see that much of a, uh, a way to bet on this one, though. I, I was trying to look at inside the distance because for a heavyweight fight, it's actually a reasonable price to bet this one inside the distance is around even money. So I was kind of looking there, but I, I think Collier can kind of do whatever he wants in this fight. Maybe a third round finish because Barnett, I don't think he's got the cardio to really last three rounds. And I think Collier's got better cardio, even though he's also a bloated, uh, well, middleweight, I believe he was at. But um, yeah, I don't really have a strong enough play in that fight, though I do think Collier is going to win. I know that one that you've got a little bit of a stronger feel on, McKenzie. So we'll go to this fight. Julian DeRosa going to be going up against Akeem Dewadu. Dewadu is finding himself right around a minus 200 favor with Erosa. I think it's an interesting sort of little bit of a dynamic that you've got. The round prop, it is very much juicy over. You're finding between minus 140 to minus 150 on the over. So bookmakers are thinking that this one is going to be going to the judge's scorecard. How do you see this one playing out? I think it's actually going to end before it hits the judge's scorecards. I'd like this one to go under. Julian Arose is a guy that I always like to take uh, <laughs> the inside distance props when it goes to his fights. In 12 of his last 15 fights, he has not gotten a decision. Eight of his last 10 fights, there's been a finish on either side. He's been knocked out five times in his UFC career, including four of his five losses in the UFC. And just the way he fights, he's a he's a pressure fighter. He's going to try to bring this fight to Duwadu. And the way Duwadu fights, I think he's a really, really technical striker. And I think he's going to be able to, to land a lot of shots on a roast and eventually put him away. So I think there's a few different ways you can kind of play this. Uh, inside the distance is definitely one because that also gives you the chance of or if Arosa gets the finish, which Arosa can. He's that that's kind of how he's been been surviving in the UFC recently is by getting a lot of these early finishes. And that and if you play this inside the distance or under two and a half, it also includes that. But I do think Dewadu is going to win this fight, and I think that the best that one good prop to bet on Dewadu is a, a third round finish, which I I've seen at twelve to one around that range. Because I think the way Arosa fights, he's gonna he's a full pressure fighter, but I think that Dewadu is going to keep landing clean shots over and over again throughout the fight, kind of wear down Arosa, and then by the third round, I think that he might be able to get a finish, probably by knockout, because that's typically what Dewadu does. Uh, I don't think he's ever had a submission in his career, but. I, I think Dewadu can wear him down, get a third round finish, or at least finish inside the distance. So I kind of have three different bets on that card, which are uh, Dewadu to win inside the distance, the under two and a half, and then Dewadu to win in, thir in the third round. And Dan, I know that you've got a little bit of action on this Arosa versus Dewadu fight as well. Take me through what you're taking a look at in terms of this one. No, I think McKenzie really nailed the, the takedown, or nailed the, the breakdown. 
Uh, I, I, I do like Duadu uh, inside the distance. I think that pays close to two to one. Um, I'm, I'm not a big parlay guy, but I know a lot of MMA betters are. I don't think he's a, a bad uh, parlay piece at, uh, I think, around minus 225. Um, but no, I, like McKenzie said, I, I really like the under props and inside the distance. Uh, and I really like that uh, round three play. I actually just wrote that down. I might have to steal that one. Hey, when you are able to get some of these round props as well, I do think that that is where a lot of money is able to make, be made as well because you're going to find in terms of a lot of these round props, if they think that a fight is going to be going to the distance, it is going to be heavily juicy over, so you're able to extract a little bit of value that way. And when it comes to UFC 279, we certainly do have a few guys that are a little bit longer in the two. So coming up on the other side, we are going to be taking a look at the Tony Ferguson fight. I think that that is going to be of intrigue. And something that I've been saying on this show quite a bit as well is that we've got a lot of good fights that are going to be coming up this fall. It really does wind up getting kicked off with what we're going to be seeing on Saturday. So we're going to be taking a little bit of a look forward and going to be diving more into this UFC card for Saturday next. Right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. It is football season, and betters know that this is when the money is made. Nobody knows football like VSN, so now is the perfect time to become a VSN subscriber and get our comprehensive college and pro football guides. Only VSN subscribers get all the tools to prepare for both the college and the pro football season, and our experts provide profiles on every single team with advanced stats and power rankings. Plus, you get bets, bets on season win totals, division finishes, player awards, and so much more. Sign up early and for a discount of $175, you'll receive both guys, plus full access to VEASAN all the way through the Super Bowl or for just $40 a month. See everything that VEASAN has to offer to up your sports betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all of your options and become a part of the Sports Betting Network as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience and being rejoined by Mackenzie Kramer does a great job. One of the main researchers over there on the ESPN show, The Daily Wager and Dan Stuff, who does great work over at the Action Network and alluded to it a little bit earlier. We're going to be taking a look at another guy who's a little bit older and you know what? He's going to be fighting on Saturday as well. That'd be Tony Ferguson going to be going up against Lee Jin Leong and Jin Leong Finding himself a relatively sizable favorite. Right around minus 310. Might be finding it a little bit more than that. And I'll start with you, Dan, on this one. How do you evaluate this fight? Because this is a spot in which I was talking about a few of the fights in which the juice is heavily on the over on the two and a half round prop. This one, a little bit more towards the under. Yeah, I mean, kind of the evaluation of this fight is it's got the potential to be really, really sad. Uh, Tony Ferguson used to be... Uh, one of the top lightweights, one of the most interesting fighter or interesting and entertaining fighters you could get. I think he had a stretch of like eight or nine fights in a row where he won a, a fight of the night or performance of the night bonus. But uh, those days are unfortunately long gone. He got badly knocked out just, I, I think, four months ago. Uh, now he's moving up a division where he's going to be small facing Li Ji Lang, Ji, Jing Liang, uh, who is very large for 170 pounds. Um, you know, I, I jumped on this pretty early. Uh, part of me being a, a Tony Ferguson fan felt bad kind of fading him like this. But uh, you can get inside the distance, uh, I think, one, minus 130, minus 140 in that range. Uh, I couldn't fault somebody taking uh, Ji Liang uh, via KO. You can get some plus money there. 
Um, I, I, I am high on Ji Liang. I think uh, he's uh, a very well-rounded fighter who's gotten a lot more composed with his fighting. Um, but this is pretty much just a, almost like the Nate Diaz fight in the main event, just kind of a pure uh, fate of a guy who's clearly on his way out, which is unfortunate. Uh, again, he was at a time one of the most exciting fighters uh, in the UFC, and I think that's why uh, this one just feels so sad, knowing that uh, he's going in there facing a, a very, very tall task. Yep, I do think that it's going to be a rough circumstance here for Tony Ferguson. I'm not sure if you see anything different, Mackenzie, but I do think that this is a spot in which it's going to be a rough fight for Tony Ferguson, and I think the only question is whether or not he goes a distance, and I'm of the proponent that he does not. Yeah, I'm, I've been trying to struggle to figure out the best way to play this card, but I tend to think I, I would lean toward the under or the fight the, does not go to decision. It just seems like there's these two fights for Diaz and Ferguson are tailor-made with matchups that are just horrible for them on paper. Obviously, we talked about Diaz and Shmaev earlier, but having Ferguson go up in weight class to face a knockout artist like Jing Liang, that's that's a really tough spot for him, especially as, as Dan said, he got brutally knocked out by Michael Chandler just four months ago. That's a really quick turnaround, and... In general, with the UFC, you do not want to be, you do not want to be backing guys who are on four fight losing streaks for 38 years old, moving and moving up in weight class. That that's a pretty bad combination right there. I'm not super interested in laying the big price with Jing Liang. He's not always a guy that I've I've really trusted over the years, especially laying a big number. I do kind of like him inside the distance and and the under two and a half there. Maybe Tony can have a chance. Maybe his movement can give him some issues. Obviously, he looked he looked all right in the first round against Chandler before the head kick knockout, but. I, I don't know if he's going to really have three rounds of, of his chin holding up against Jing Liang, moving up in a weight class. And Ferguson wasn't even that big for, for uh, 155. Now he's at 170. I, it didn't seem like he was cutting that much, much weight to reach 155. So this seems more like a desperation move. Yes, he has caught, fought at 170 before, but it's been a long time. And yeah, I think this is Jing Liang or pass. And I do think that the, I would lean with the under end with the uh, Jing Liang knockout prop. And Mackenzie, I know that when it comes to a little bit of a smaller favorite, you're on one in terms of this card as well. We've got the Macy Chaseon fight against Irene Aldana. Aldana, more around about a minus 160 to a minus 170 number. And as I always say, when it comes to just these MMA fights that we wind up seeing, if you think that a fighter is going to win the fight like 70, 75% of the time, and you're able to lay less than minus $2, you do have relatively good value there because we just laid it out in a lot of these fights. It is relatively difficult to be able to reduce the juice. I know that parlays and being able to team up some of these favorites, that can sometimes be a very good angle in terms of a lot of these fights. Take me through this one, though, as I know that you see a pretty good edge with Eldana. I mean, that's one of the biggest mis misnomers when it comes to gambling is there can't be value on a favorite. I mean, Agreed. if you think that Shemaev is going to win the fight 98% of the time, then only laying minus 1,000 is a steal on him. The biggest bet I've ever made in <laughs> in my gambling career was on Floyd Mayweather against Conor McGregor, which was like minus 500, minus 600 range. And that should have probably should have been minus 5,000, minus 6,000. So, you know, sometimes there can be value. And this fight, Aldana is laying about minus 165-ish. And I just think that she's going to be able to keep this fight on her feet. She's got an 84% takedown defense, which Shazan has been going to her take the takedown one her last few fights. I think Aldana can keep the standing. And if this is, if this is a standing fight, I think Aldana has got a pretty significant edge standing up. I think Shazan's best when she's kind of mixing in the takedowns, mixing, adding pressure, striking, kind of doing a full mixed martial arts game. But I think Aldana is going to make this a stand up, uh, stand up match. And I do have a little bit of question about Shazan's cardio at 135. Uh, she's, kind of mixed back and forth between 135 and 145. And I think that Aldana, anything below uh, 
minus 180, minus 185, which is, which is still out there. I think that's a quality bet on uh, Arena. Yep, we've been finding quite a bit of value on this fight. And Dan, do you agree with McKenzie in terms of Aldana being right around about a minus 160 to a minus 170 favorite, having some good value? Yeah, no, I, I think he nailed it. This is actually one of my favorite uh, bets as well. Um, I, I think there's a, a lot of value just straight up on the money line. Um, one of my Action Network uh, colleagues, Manpreet Jass, uh, actually turned me on to Aldana versus uh, or Aldana uh, via KO, which I think play, pays almost four to one. She's just got really crisp and technical boxing that you usually don't see in the women's divisions. Uh, so the chance of a knockout's really we- uh, real. I know a, a lot of the women's fights. Uh, go to decision. I actually play a lot of underdogs in women's fights just because they go to decision. You get bad judging. It's easy uh, for a fight to look closer uh, than it actually was. But I, I really like the KO prop in this fight. And yeah, I like Adana straight up as well. And Dan, I'll turn this over to you as well. You just mentioned that you do like quite a few of the underdogs when it comes to more of the women's side of things. And we do have a pretty extensive card. There are quite a few chalky favorites as we've been talking about, but <laughs> Is there an underdog or two that we haven't talked about that you think that there is quite a bit of value on for Saturday? Yeah, usually I'm on quite a few. There's not a whole lot this card. I, I kind of find myself playing more uh, props and, and totals and, and inside the distance. Um, you know, there's a, a main card fight that kicks off the pay-per-view portion of the fight. That's usually when the crowd's most hyped. And uh, I, I think it's no surprise that the UFC put Johnny Walker versus Ian Kudalaba uh, in that fight. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. Um, I, I'm big on under one and a half rounds, and I hardly ever bet under one and a half rounds. We've seen an MMA, uh, even uh, a terrible mismatch. A, a guy can hang on for a, a round and a half, but I don't think these guys are going to show any defense, any caution. They're going to come out, especially with the crowd hyping them up. And I think when you get a fight like that, where it's just pretty much pure violence and uh, aggression and, and guys throwing caution to the win, um, it, it's hard not to take some dog money there. Uh, and uh, Johnny Walker at plus 165, I'm definitely keeping an eye on that line. I, I Like I said, I really like the under one and a half, but you know if that line continues to swell or goes up any, I, I think Johnny Walker is probably worth a small play as well. I love the name Johnny Walker as well, because Johnny Walker apparently can get you buzzed up in a few different ways now. So that is tremendous. And Mackenzie, is there any underdogs that you're seeing a little bit of value on? Because I know that we mentioned the fact that you're on a few favorites in this card. Is there any underdogs that you're seeing a little bit of value on as of now? Yeah, I feel like Dan and I are on the same page with a lot of these uh, picks. That I, I normally like to bet underdogs too, especially women's fights. I'm not really seeing a whole lot in this card. Johnny Walker has been the one guy that all week I've been trying to convince myself to bet on. Uh, Kutalaba laying over minus 200 with him. I have zero interest in that. But Walker, I, he's lost four to five and has looked so bad ever since moving over to John Cavanaugh and training in Ireland. Like It looks like he's a much more timid fighter, which is one reason why i'm not totally on the under one and a half i could definitely see it cashing especially with those two guys they've both been glass cannons in their careers but i am a little worried about walker trying to just trying to be a little bit more timid as a fighter than he used to be obviously kudalama is going to come out strong and he might even use his wrestling early on and probably gas out pretty early so you know one and a half the, extra, the first two and a half minutes of the second round could uh, come in handy there but two underdogs i'm looking at that i haven't quite pulled the trigger on uh, Dennis Tululin against Jamie Pickett. This is another fade of Jamie Pickett, who I don't really like uh, paying favorite prices on. And then the very first fight of the card, Johan Lainess against Darian Weeks. We saw the UFC kind of give Aaron, uh, Darian Weeks, Ian Gary, in his last fight as a you know a sacrificial lamb in that fight. Lainess isn't great, but he comes out a lot of pressure early. I think he can. I think he can either put Weeks out in the first two rounds 
or bank the first two rounds on the scorecards and then hang on when his cardio likely fails him in round three. But both of them are small dogs, and I kind of like both of them. And it's going to be a great UFC card this weekend as we had two great gentlemen breaking it down with me. Mackenzie Kramer of ESPN does a great job over there at the Daily Wager and Dan Stuff of the Action Network. And in the final segment, take a look at some Friday baseball on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening. 
You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Kick off the football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook all season long. Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for all football related content. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app for the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and so much more. Every week, Bet Rivers has unique football specials to help you win big. Cheer on your favorite teams and your favorite players with the Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game as it is the final segment of the Greg Peterson experience here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Big thanks to Mackenzie Kramer. Does a great job over there at ESPN's show, The Daily Wager. He joined me for two segments along with Dan Sup, who's doing great work over at the Action Network and hit a little bit of everything tonight. We've hit a little college football. We've hit some NFL. We hit some UFC. We're going to round it out with a little bit of baseball. I just, quite frankly, don't have anything in terms of the two college football games that we're going to be finding on Friday. I know that someone that wound up Joining me on the show yesterday, Scott Reichel over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He's got a little bit of a lean on Central Florida right around minus five and a half. I personally do not have anything. I will defer to him when it comes to college football. I will not have any action in terms of the Friday card, but I will have action on the Friday card in terms of baseball. Let's hit upon the DK Nation pick that I'm going to be taking a look at for Friday as we do dive into 971-972 on the board. The Cleveland Guardians on the road against the Minnesota Twins as Dylan Bundy goes for the Twins, and Cal Quantrill takes the bump for Cleveland. And Cleveland, a very, very slight underdog. You're going to be getting them as good as minus 102, as bad as minus 110 with Minnesota. They're as bad as minus 110, as good as minus 105. So your classic pick game. Total on this game, mostly 8. I'm seeing a stray 7.5 out here in Vegas, but mostly 8 with the juice on the under end. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I do think that the Twins starting to find a little bit of offense as they have scored four plus runs and now five out of their last six home games. And for the Twins, they have been dealing with a few injuries. Byron Buxton, he's been out of the fold. Team's leader in home runs with 28 home runs. Oria Palanco, he's been able to go deep right around 16, 17 times as far as the season. But Carlos Correa and so many others have been very solid at being able to move the line for this Twins team as they've got one of the best team batting averages that you're going to find in the big leagues as I mentioned Carlos Correa, and he, along with quite a few others, like a Nick Gordon, you're able to throw in there, Jose Miranda, Gilberto Celestino has been hitting right around 250, so he's a little bit out of the fold, but Gio Rochelle, these guys, they're in between about a 262 to a 275, so they've done a good job moving the line. Luis Arias has been one of the top players just in terms of adding average in all of baseball thus far this season. Has been a little bit hot and cold recently, but still hitting a 315 with nearly a 380 on base overall for the season. So got some nice bats in this lineup. I question the Minnesota Twins bullpen just because since really the double dip that we wound up seeing on Wednesday, the Minnesota Twins bullpen, they've had to throw three games for one in two days and for two, they've had to throw 13 and a third innings with that bullpen. A bullpen that post all-star break, they rank 17th in terms of bullpen ERA and overall for the season, they're right around 15th, 16th. They haven't been terrible. They haven't been great and the one guy that I do like for this bullpen, that would be Yohan Duran. He throws 100-plus miles per hour. He has been tremendous. He and Giovanni Morin, both of these guys, have been able to register a sub-2 ERA. You've got to like what they're able to bring to the table, but they had to use up Michael Fulmer, coupled with Ore Lopez for north of 18 pitches apiece on Thursday, and travel's going to be a little bit of an issue as well. They wound up playing a 
evening game on the East Coast. Now they have to return back to Minnesota. Meanwhile, the Cleveland Guardians, they did not wind up having to play a game on Thursday, so that winds up factoring in. And for the Guardians, they've got one of the biggest differentials in terms of home runs, road to home for the positive when they are on the road. For the Cleveland Guardians, been a squad that has been averaging right around .9 home runs per game on the road, which doesn't sound great, but that's much better than the 0.59 home runs per game that they are getting at home. Nearly 63, 64% of their home runs, they are coming on the road, and you've got guys that just do an absolutely amazing job of being able to find a way on base. As for the Guardians, you've got a tree of guys with 15-plus home runs, Josh Naylor, Jose Ramirez, and then you're also able to throw in there Andre Jimenez. All these guys, 15-plus home runs for Naylor. He's been able to hit in that pocket about a 260, but we mentioned before, in Jimenez, along with Jose Ramirez, and then you're able to throw in there Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Kwan, Amit Rosario. All these players, they're hitting at least at 280, so they do a great job moving the line for the Minnesota Twins. It's a squad that trots out their Dylan Bundy, who's been relatively solid at home, posting up nearly a 3 ERA I just don't think he's as good as how he's pitched over his last, we're going to call it six starts. He's allowed two runs or fewer in all of his last six. Prior to that, he had north of a five ERA. I think that he's a little bit better than the guy that wanted to post up north of a five ERA, but I don't think he's as good as a guy that has been pitching recently, especially with him not being able to get a lot of strikeouts. And for that matter, neither of these strikeouts or neither of these pitchers wind up getting a lot of strikeouts. You got Dylan Buddy posting up in the neighborhood of about 6.4 strikeouts per nine innings. Cal Quantrill, six strikeouts per nine. And for Cal Quantrill, does a good job of being able to eat innings. He's went six plus innings in six out of his last seven starts, a lone outlier. That was the Sunday game that we saw in Cleveland. There was a four hour and 33 minute rain delay that just absolutely derailed everything. You're not going to bring back a guy after he sits for four and a half hours. So that wound up being a little bit of a calamity, but for Cal Quantrill. He's also given up three plus runs in seven out of his last 13 starts. He has had a little bit of a higher ERA on the road. He's actually done a better job of keeping the ball in the yard when he's been on the road, but he allows opponents to hit a 277 off of him when he is on the road as well. This is a twin team that has not been able to get a lot of deep balls ever since Buxton and Polanco have been out of the fold, but they do a good job moving the line. I think that they're going to be able to do that here. So my DK Nation pick is going to be on the over end. When it comes to the Twins, I think that them utilizing their bullpen so much, having to travel from New York back to Minnesota in this spot, should set them as a little bit more of an underdog. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 114, minus 115 with the Cleveland Guardians, and I like the way that the Guardians have been operating in general post-All-Star break. They've been a top three team in the American League. I do think that they're going to be able to keep that rolling. So my DK Nation pick is on the over. Also, when it comes to the money line slash run line, taking a look at the Cleveland Guardians on the money line, I think that getting a relatively pick and price is good value in this spot. How about if we take a look at the lone interleague game that we're going to be getting on Friday as well? This is 979-980 on the board. Seattle Mariners, they play OC Atlanta Braves as Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Braves and Robbie Ray goes for Seattle. Seattle, slight underdog. Mostly even money where I sit here at Circa that is the highest number that you're going to find on Seattle at a plus 106 in between minus 110 and minus 120, the number on Atlanta. 7.5 is the total, heavily juicy under, but the reason why I do like Seattle and the reason why I set them more on a minus 120 favorite, so I feel like this line should be reversed, as Robbie Ray has been able to do an amazing job at home. Robbie Ray on the road is not necessarily a guy that you want to trust, and on the road, he's been posting up north of a 5 ERA, darn near two home runs per nine innings, surrendered by Robbie Ray on the road as well, but... Home Robbie Ray has been very good, Robbie Ray, as he's posting up a sub-3 ERA, giving up more like one home run 
per nine innings, and he still does a great job of being able to get swings and misses. 10.2 strikeouts per nine innings. That's down from his career number of about 11 punch outs per nine, but has also been able to tame down the walks. 3.8 walks per nine innings for his career. More like three this season. So Robbie Ray has been able to do a solid job on that front, and for Charlie Morton, it's been touch and go for him this season. For Charlie Morton, he wound up having a stretch towards the beginning part of the season where he allowed three plus runs in eight out of 11 starts. Then from there, once he wanted being able to pick it up, go figure. The Atlanta Braves, they wanted being able to follow suit as well as it's been really as Charlie Morton comes and goes that the Atlanta Braves wins and losses do as well. And Charlie Morton recently has been able to do a relatively solid job since the beginning of the month of August. He's made six starts and he's been posting up a three ERA. Has been able to do a good job of being able to just not allow a lot of contact in general. Opponents hitting a buck 99 off of him in the spam. But if you've got a trepidation with Charlie Morton, he has given up six home runs over the course of his last six starts, which spans 36 innings. He's backed up by a solid bullpen. A.J. Minter, sans the Sunday Night Baseball performance we saw a few weeks ago, has been very solid. Jackson Stevens, he's off the injured list, been able to get good production out of Tyler Madzik as well. Rossi Iglesias comes over from Los Angeles, the Angels, and he's been a good cog, but the Mariners since the beginning of the month of June, they got the number one bullpen in terms of ERA. Diego Cassio and Andres Munoz were unpitchable the first two months out of the season. They have been amazing ever since then. You've had Penn Murphy, Paul Sewald, Eric Swanson all throughout the season be able to provide a sub-3 ERA for the Mariners. They now have a trio of guys with north of 21 home runs. Angel Hino Suarez, I believe, actually leads the big leagues in home runs since the beginning of the 2018 season as he, Julio Rodriguez, throwing their Cal Raleigh at least 22 home runs. They have been solid for Rodriguez. He does a good job of being able to seal some bases as well. Ty France was in a little bit of a funk post-all-star break. He's been able to pick it up. And a reason why I do like this total over is on top of those Seattle hitters, you do have an Atlanta Rays team that... They had a stretch where Austin Riley last week had a home run in five out of six games. He has really been able to pick it up as he, Michael Harris, the second, Dansby Swanson, along at least a 285 for this squad. I do think that you've got a little bit of a strength-on-strength battle. The Atlanta Braves, they have been incredible with their offense. The Seattle Mariners, they've been incredible with their pitching. But I do think that the Mariners wind up getting Charlie Morton a little bit. And just because I do think that the Atlanta Braves in general, they've got great offense. They're going to be able to do the same as well. And VEASAN pro tip for this hour is... If you're looking to file in on some of these contests, when it comes to the super contest, what have you, you've got, you have a set deadline. Take as much time as you need with that deadline. We've got tips over for subscribers, vcin.com slash subscribe. And we've got lots of great advice for you coming up. Follow the money, 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on vcin, the Sports Banking Network. Football is here. The VEASAN team has what you need to know. Whether you're betting on futures, looking for contest strategy, or building your own power ratings, VEASAN has everything you need. Get all the latest from our lineup of experts. NFL veteran experts. NFL veteran experts. NFL veteran experts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.